0: Through our series called Evidence. It's a study through the book of 1 John. John is writing, as we talked about the first week, to combat some of these false teachers or these Gnostic beliefs that the early church, the early believers, were facing. And John has set the stage in our first couple of weeks through. The first chapter and a little bit into the second one, he set the stage for the evidences he's about to present. He's proclaimed Jesus came physically. One of the false beliefs that was being held was that Jesus wasn't here physically. And so John proclaims, I saw him. I sat there and I experienced life with Jesus for a period of years as his disciple. He was here physically. John dispels some lies that were being told to some of the early believers. and Some of those were coming from people who were in the church saying they were Christians. And so John begins to dispel these lies and give them truths. We talked the first week about the purpose that John had for writing the book of 1 John. Several times throughout the book, he says, I write these things to you so that you, chapter 1, verse 4, may have joy. Chapter 2, verse 1, so that you can avoid sin." Chapter 2, verse 26, so you are not deceived by false teachers. And then in chapter 5, verse 13, so you can have assurance of your salvation. And chapter 5, 13 kind of summarizes the book of 1 John. It says, I write these things to you who believe. So remember, John is writing to believers, to Christians, in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. He was writing to people who were following Gnosticism who said, we know everything. And John's saying, no, I'm writing so that you can know that you have eternal life. So John is presenting a series of self-tests to analyze our faith to determine if we're believers or if we're unbelievers, these tests, these evidences are to be used on yourself. That means no nudging the person next to you and saying, hey, you need to listen to Pastor Roger this morning, right? So these are self-tests, they're for our own personal assessment. This morning, we're going to see one of the evidences that John gives, and that is obedience. The evidence of obedience. John is going to present it in a way that shows a progression in obedience, that you have progress in how you obey or how you follow God. Now, that doesn't mean that it's a process of disobedience, but it's a depth of our understanding in obedience. Uh, There's a lot of schools, schools and colleges. Uh, I know Grace started up this week for their first week. School started a couple of weeks ago. And there's a process in schools, right? Ellie's in first grade this year. And they didn't start out with algebra in first grade, right? There's a process they go through... It's schools where they teach you basic math skills. You have math classes and you have algebra and advanced algebra and trigonometry. and You have all of these courses right? that are a progress. When I went to seminary, I had to take Greek and Hebrew. I was not that great at Greek or Hebrew languages. But the first day, I remember I came home and I felt like I'd taken 12 years of English in one day. Because we had to remind ourselves about all the process of English and all the terminology that we'd be using for these Greek terms now. Oh man, what's a preposition? <laughs> oh man, how, how is this? What is this? And all of these words that we had to remind ourselves of. I, I came home the first day, I, went, I don't think I can do this. <laughs> That's how I felt the first day of seminary. But there's a process of it. I went through Greek 1, Greek 2, Greek 3, Greek exegesis, where we actually started like we were in the text. Man, those first, that first year was like learning the process of the sentences. It was reminding ourselves, figuring out some of those words. It was learning the alphabet all over again. That was the first year, learning the Greek alphabet or learning the Hebrew alphabet. There's a process. And so in our obedience, John's going to point out some of that process and how we progress in obedience. The text this morning is 1 John chapter 2. It's a short text. It's going to be verses 3 through 6. 1 John 2, verse 3. And by this, we know that we have come to know him. By what you say, John? By this. This he's about to say. If we keep his commandments. Verse 4. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. So John is going to give us three steps in progressing in our obedience. This thought of progression, of moving forward, of not staying in the same spot. The first step in progressing in our obedience is keeping his commandments. Keeping his commandments. The idea of keep is to watch over, to protect, or guard. When Jesus uses that term, he's saying you need to guard the commandments. You need to watch over the commandments. Why? Because there's people on the outside who are proclaiming lies that John just talked about in the verses prior to this that are going to come in and say that's not what the Bible says. So we need to be Diligent in watching over, in protecting or guarding the commandments. But Jesus, in the book of John, had, had made these statements. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. John chapter 14, verse 15. If you want to hear Jesus say it just a little bit different, John chapter 15, verse 14. You are my friends if you do what I command you. If you love me, keep my commandments. What what are the commandments? Well, one of them was just two verses earlier than that. Jesus says, this is my commandment. Could he have been a little more specific or clear? I'm not sure. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. I think he's pretty clear there. This is one of my commandments. Love one another. Love one another. Jesus had this interaction with a rich young ruler. Remember the rich young ruler said, came to him, how how do I get eternal life? And Jesus said, well, said this, you know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, witness, do not defraud. Honor your father and mother, you know the commandments. And the rich young ruler had the boldness to say, I've kept all those. But Jesus said to him, well, go sell all your possessions and give to the needy and then come and follow me. And it says the rich young ruler went away sad. He didn't go away and sell all of his possessions, did he? No, he went away sad. Back in 1 John, John's instructions here aren't to cause his audience to strictly adhere to a list of rules. He's not telling you, you need to just follow this list. He's trying to develop a process. It isn't just boiling down, okay, these are the rules I need to follow now. Here are the Ten Commandments, let's start there. Here they are. There's more to it. There's depth to obedience. You see, obedience has to do with lordship. Are you letting Jesus be the Lord over your life? Are you following him? Are you serving him? Are you obeying him? Are we going to be obedient to his lordship or not? And John gives us this contrasting statement. He says, we know that we are in him if, or we know him if we keep his commands. And then in verse 4, he says, whoever says, I know him but does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. So, somebody is saying, I have intimate knowledge or an intimate relationship with God, and yet their actions are not following through. They're not obeying his commandments. John says they're just lying, they're liars. John. Piper says it this way, so when God commands you to do something and you ignore it or go against it, John can only conclude one thing, you don't believe that God is love and therefore you don't know him for if you believe that God is love then you would believe that all his commandments were the very best thing for you and you would follow them goes on to say, when you turn away from the commandments of God, you say in effect, a loving God wouldn't command me to do that. And so our disobedience displays our lack of trust in the love God has for us. And it shows that we do not know God. So if we say that God loves us, that God is love, and yet we don't obey him, Are we truly believing that God is love? The first step in progressing in obedience is keeping his commandments. The second one that John makes a statement about is keeping his word. Verse 5, but whoever keeps his word in him truly the love of God is perfected. Well, what's the difference between keeping his commandments and keeping his word? It's the difference between knowing something in your head and knowing it in your heart. And that might be hard to figure out. But the psalmist makes it a little clearer for us in Psalm 119.11. He says, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I've stored your word in my heart. Why? Because as we're storing his word in our heart, those verses are going to come to us. Randy this morning brought me a poem, something that he remembered from years ago, Heaven's Grocery List, right? That's what it's called. He was reminded of that through some things through Scripture he was reading, right, through some verses. God uses these things as part of our history as we've stored them up in our lives to remind them of us. Remind us of them. But what's the most important thing that we store in our heart? Hidden God's... We hide God's word in our heart. Why? Because it helps us to not sin against Him. Helps him to helps us to obey His commandments. Another difference between following the commandments and keeping his word. Jesus gave some of this in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5. And he made statements like, you have heard that it was said. He makes these over and over again in Matthew chapter 5. I'll give you a couple examples, verse 21. You have heard that it was said to to those of old, you shall not murder and whoever murders will be liable to judgment, right? Right? They'd heard that, part of the commandments. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. What is Jesus doing? He's taking the commandment, and he's saying it's something deeper than this. It's not just following that I'm not murdering somebody, but it's that I'm not murdering them in my heart. The anger that's there. Verse 38, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you... This commandment that you have heard, I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. In Matthew chapter 5, he said that you need to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. There it is. You have heard that it was said, that's why I remembered it on my screen. You've heard that it was said you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. You have heard this, but I'm saying it's something deeper than that. There's one step in following the commandments, in obeying, but there's a deeper level. There's a heart level in following God, in following Jesus. Jesus. See, there's a step that you begin to realize that it wasn't just about becoming a robot and following each of these steps, but it's a relationship and it's living out that relationship with God. personalizing and applying his word and maturing in your faith it's the difference between following the letter of the law and following the heart of the law at the end of the Sermon on the Mount you remember the story that Jesus told this will remind you Matthew chapter 7 verse 24 everyone then who hears these words keep his words, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Jesus talks about the wise man and the foolish man and the choices they made and the consequences that they have for those choices. But he says it's really about listening and obeying. That brings wisdom. So keeping his commandments, keeping his word. Finally, the progress in obedience is imitating Christ. Imitating Christ. It's it's a lifestyle that's been ingrained into us of obedience. And as we read about the early church, we went through the book of Acts. As we read about the early church, we begin to read about how the disciples are uh, first being called Christians. They're given the name Christians. The followers of Christ they are adhering to the teaching and commandments that Jesus left them with. But it went beyond just following commandments. Even in the very beginning, the early stages of the church in Acts 2.45, it tells us, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Now, Jesus in his ministry, he did say that we need to show love, but he didn't specifically say, well, you guys need to be selling fields later on. That wasn't a specific commandment, but they took his commandments and they played them out in their lives and they said, if there are those among us who have needs, I'm going to sell what I have because I have enough and I'm going to give the, the pro, pros, pros, proceeds, thank you. <laughs> it was there, it just wasn't coming to me. I'm going to give the proceeds of that to those who have need. And so they shared among themselves. That wasn't a specific, go sell your field. But Jesus did give principles about loving those, loving each other, loving your neighbor, giving to those who have need. They were taking his commandments and living them out in their lives. They began to demonstrate that it was a lifestyle of listening and obedience. A a couple years ago, um, Stacey started teaching volleyball. And it was sixth grade girls volleyball. A lot of the girls that she first started teaching volleyball had never played formal volleyball before. And so it was a little rough to watch at first. <laughs> I mean, they'd never served the ball and like gotten it over the net. They, they weren't sure what to do with their hands when they were trying to hit the ball. They weren't, didn't know all the rules, like when you're going to come in and you're going to switch with somebody. Like I remember one of the first games, the, the girl just went running onto the court and she was standing there the other girl came running off. and like, no, there's, you got to follow the rules here of how to switch in and out. And, and they had to learn all of that. No fault of their own. They were just doing what they thought they should do. But there was a whole set of rules that they needed to learn and understand. There was a set of muscles that they needed to build up in their bodies to be able to serve the ball and hit it over the net. To know where to be on the court. Now, watching some of those girls and how they've progressed in their understanding of volleyball and their abilities, they're doing really well. Being able to hit and block and set and spike and all of those things about volleyball. But you go to a college game, you go to a professional game of volleyball, do they still make errors? Yeah, sometimes, but not as much as a first-time volleyball player makes an error, right? They've progressed because they have that muscle memory now. Very rarely do they serve the ball and it hits the net, It does still happen sometimes. But they've worked those muscles. The same thing goes for our obedience. See, that's what John is saying. There's a progression in our learning to obey. It starts with knowing His commandments, keeping them, watching over them, Then it goes to keeping his word, but then it moves on to being an imitator of Christ. There's a process of understanding God's commandments as we progress. One of the pieces is understanding the boundaries that he's set in place. See, we have been given freedom to operate within the boundaries. Matthew chapter 22. This is one of the examples I want to give you this morning. And Jesus said... You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So, to summarize, what Jesus is saying is loving God and loving people. Those are the two most important things. If you're doing those to the best of your ability, you're going to be fulfilling the commandments that Jesus gave. So we have a boundary. I put a box on your pages there. We have a boundary, and if we put inside that, love God and love others. There are other scriptural commandments that we could put there. For example, the fruit of the Spirit, you could put inside there. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. You can put those things in there. You can do those as much as you want. The Bible doesn't say there's a limit to kindness. You can only be so kind to people and then you have to stop. That's not good. It doesn't say there's a limit to how we show love to others. Okay, you can love them this much, but if you, you, that's out. You can't do that at all. You can't show them that much love. It doesn't say there's a limit to our patience. We may think there's a limit to our patience sometimes. But it doesn't say. It says patience, one of the fruit of the Spirit. We're free to operate in those and do those as much as we want. We can love God. We can love our neighbor. We can love others as much as we want want there is isn't any limit put on those but when we step outside those boundaries the bible says there's things like anger sexual immorality idolatry jealousy envy stealing greed These things are outside the boundaries. Again, we can operate freely within the boundaries, whatever we want to do in there, but we say that's not enough. I'm not happy with this. God doesn't love me enough, so I'm going to take the things that I think I deserve. I'm going to steal them. and we step outside those boundaries and all of a sudden we're breaking fellowship with God. Recognize it doesn't mean you're not a sinner because John's already covered this. He's writing to people who are sinners. 1 John 1:9 If you confess your sin he is faithful and just to forgive you your sin and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. That's the process for getting back into Fellowship with God. Confession and repentance. These are sins of commission. You're choosing to do them. There's also sins of omission. In the book of James, we're told, so whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. I've given you illustrations before of of driving down the road. And seeing somebody on the side of the road and saying, I should stop and I should talk to them. There are times I do not obey and follow that. That is a sin of omission. I know what God is telling me I should do. I know that. But instead, I don't choose to do that. And that's a sign of not loving our neighbor. James says, whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it for him, it is sin. And so if God calls you to love your neighbor, who is your neighbor? Well, it's going to be those in proximity with, to you. It's going to be those in the church family. It's going to be those in your family at home. It's going to be those in your neighborhood. It's going to be those... In your workplace or school, it's going to be those you come into contact with in grocery stores, and and those are the people who are our neighbors. We're all called to be loving neighbors. So what do we do if we find ourselves outside? I've already told you. We need to confess and repent to come back into that fellowship and then we're free. The Bible tells us for freedom, Christ has set you free. What is that freedom? To operate how we're called to operate. Why? Because God made us this way. He made us to operate inside the bounds. But what do we do? Like Adam and Eve, we say, "That's eh, not good enough. I want to take a bite of the fruit because I think there must be something more. I'm not happy with this. Our theme for this year has been abiding. And... John says in verse 6, whoever says he abides in him, there's that word that's our theme, ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. How do we abide? We've progressed in our obedience. We've gone from keeping commandments to keeping his word to imitating him. As we're following him, we're imitating, we're walking as he walked. As the Holy Spirit or his word speaks to you, you're taking those things and saying, okay, how do I live this out? How do I live this out as I'm talking with my family? How do I live this out as I'm talking with coworkers? How do I live this out as I'm talking with classmates? How do I walk as Jesus walked? And none of these things are easy. Sometimes we want to just sit. All right, God, I'm following you, I'm tired. I don't feel like it today. But we're called to continue to progress. To keep following him. And will we at times hit the net when we serve the ball? Yeah, we're still going to fail. John says though there's a process. Confess your sins. Because he is faithful and just to forgive you your sins and he'll cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Come back into fellowship, John says. Sometimes we need to ask for help even. There's sins in our lives that we just, seems like they just keep happening over and over and over and over. Sometimes we need help to work on those, and that's okay. You can come talk to me if you ever feel like you're dealing with something that's like, I just can't seem to get rid of this. But we're called to grow in our obedience. To continue to follow him. To keep his commandments. To keep his word. And to imitate him. Would you pray with me this morning? Father. The lives we lead are not perfect. God, we confess that there are things in our lives at times that are showing we don't trust you. Are showing that we don't believe that you are a loving God. are showing that we think we know what's best for us. Father, I pray as your spirit works through your word, as we talked about last week, walking in the light, the light of your word, the light of Your Spirit, the light of your radiance shining upon our lives so that those things that are sinful in our lives are in the light. They are seen for what they are, and God, we confess those. We give them over to you, and you cleanse us. Father, I pray that we would walk as children of the light. That we would walk the same way Jesus Christ, your son, walked as our perfect example. Father, may you Give us direction from your word that we would follow and obey you and trust you. Because you are a loving God. And you are holy and just and wise. And you created us to follow you with all that we are. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.